Yeah. Hello? Hello, Janet. Hi, Ernie. Hi. How are you? Okay, my phone's acting a little flaky, but hopefully it won't mysteriously yeah. drop off again. Yeah. Um, hang on just a second. I'm, I'm going to put you down for a minute. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm back. I had three Whoa. things in my hand at the same time. <laughs> Literally juggling things. Yeah. Huh. So how'd you enjoy Tuesday's Discovery Bible study? Well, um I I uh I have to think about it for a second here getting into that that mode here um i enjoyed it okay what i what i liked is especially hearing you know some of the other guys uh you know liking that particular mode and and i i like that i like it too i like doing things that way sorry which way i didn't quite get the adjective there <laughs> okay well, no, the the process is something that that I liked and I really appreciate. I, you know, um, you know, just just to take a look at a short passage and then read through it, repeat it. Uh, the, the Bible storying uh -huh. part. Yeah, uh -huh. that was interesting. I had never done that. I've, I've read about the practice, but never actually done it before. So it was very interesting, especially when I realized that oh, I never noticed that they that uh, Jesus changed Peter's name in the third iteration of that. All these little details. Actually, there are a lot of details and um, I, there, there are more, there's more to it that I heard at one point, but I can't remember exactly what, what it all entailed. So I didn't really want to speak to something I'm not that familiar with. Um, but there's definitely, it seemed to me like a re restoration process going on with that. Um, along with the Jesus of kind of commenting on on his relationship with Peter, too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He could have used a lot of different uh, terms for love, but he used friendship. The machine will now hang up. Oh, you still there? Like was the, it my machine or yours? I don't know what that was. That was a strange. <laughs> I think it was pretty strange. I, I don't. Yeah, it, it might have been mine, but mine didn't yeah. have that kind of voice. Yeah, I actually first heard about this passage from a, I think, a cassette tape talking about how Jesus says agape the first two times, which the Passion Translation translates as burning with love, and then Peter responds with phileo. And that yeah. whole tension, I think, uh, and uh, that's why I was glad I could find the Passion Translation, which actually uses the different words for those. Uh, yeah, and then isn't the last time Jesus, that tension. Says, Jesus says, do you phileo me? And then that's when Peter's kind of upset, like, because he just got through saying it twice. Yeah. And the, like yeah, and also, at least this translation, I guess Peter actually responds to what I agape you, which is even more... Uh, surprising. I don't think I remember that aspect of it. Hold on a second here.
Um, so anyway, um, I'm back. You still there? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Good. So last time I uh, salved my conscience for how much I talked by referring to it as an interview. Since you asked questions and I did all the answering. So I thought this time we'll turn the tables and I could interview you. Unless you yeah, have any burning free. questions you wanted to ask first. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's a really simple question, uh, although perhaps a very hard one. Who are you? Okay. Who who am I? Yes. Yeah, you're going to have to get a little more specific than that. Okay. Um, how do you define yourself? No, I don't really. Interesting. Okay. So let's go go with a different framework. Um, one of the frameworks I use uh, to um, help people when I do like career counseling is uh, the three questions are, what do you want? What do you fear? What price are you willing to pay? For, for career counseling? I mean, um, this one, I use this one doing career counseling also when I'm doing discipleship, uh -huh. um, but it's kind of a, uh, my sort of three go-to questions for trying to understand what motivates people. And what uh, journey are they, do they see themselves on? Uh-huh. Okay. So what, it can also so apply to, I guess, spiritual growth. Yeah, so so is that what you're at? You're asking me, what do I want? And then what was the second what, one? I forgot. What do you fear? What do I fear? And what What price I, are you willing to pay? What price am I willing to pay? Okay. All right. What do I want? Mm, I'm going to throw out anything that I want. It might not be the ultimate thing that I want, but sure, you, know, you can riff for a while. Don't go in that going in that direction. I I want to be pro be productive. Um, and and uh, be able to use the I know the gifts that God's given to me, but in the, my spiritual context, that I I do really love love Jesus. Um, that's practically all I think about and and end up talking about sometimes. Um, so so I want to um, do what we're talking about, which is how do I love more like Jesus? You know, and, and, and continue to get better at that. So that's probably the thing that I think about the most, other than just, you know, getting to know, getting to know Jesus, because I just find everything about him in this scripture is very compelling. So I also want to get to know him more. Are you there? Yep, just waiting for, making sure you were pausing. Yeah, sometimes I use the phrase, um, drawing closer to Jesus, 
in in yeah. love, likeness, and living. To, yeah. Uh, which is a little bit more broader than love more like Jesus, but it, uh-huh. it seemed that the love more like Jesus phrasing was more actionable and kind of give a group more focus. But to me, I consider them all more or less equivalent. God's kingdom, like like Christ, loving Christ, loving like Christ. And that if you're doing one well, you do all of the others. And uh, together, that there's nothing more important than that. So that's good. So that's your want. What about the second question? What do I fear? Mm-hmm. I, I fear possibly, um, now this is going to get a little deeper, but I fear my own, um, you know, uh, ability to sabotage myself in those purposes. Mm. That's a great answer. That can happen a lot of different ways. I'm constantly, uh, you know, I'm constantly being drawn close to him and then also seeing or uh, failing and not not doing as much as I would like to sometimes or, uh, you know, going slightly down the wrong path and I don't realize how wrong I end up feeling like it is until I'm farther down the path. I'm like, oh, how did I get here? That sort of thing. But it's, it's, sometimes it is something to fear. It produces an, a feeling of anxiety in me. I'm not sure that's of the Lord or not, but I, I, or whatever. No, I, I don't know what to say about that, actually. I don't want to like stereotype myself into saying something dumb or cliche okay. about it. Hold on a second. got to take care of the, uh, the dog's business. Uh, feel free to keep talking. Yeah. Well, my puppies are sitting up here on... Um, the chair next to me too. They're all they're both stretched out. In fact, if I play with Abby's tail, she'll probably jump. All right, I'm back. Yeah. How's your puppy? Oh, good. What dogs? You said you have two dogs? Yeah, Abby and Daisy. They're both beagles. Ah. They're a tight pack. (laughs) They are, and they're both pressed up against me right now, laying down. Ah. They're being good girls. Abby actually has her head up, and she's looking out towards the open, open window. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, what, what do I fear? I I fear uh, I fear my own uh, um, temptation to sabotage things sometimes, mm-hmm. um, either deliberately or not deliberately. Mhm. 
Um, I'm curious, do you have a sense in that, um, I think, you know, we all do that. And I think it's certainly a sign of maturity to fear yourself. Um, do you feel like you've noticed any patterns or do you feel like the patterns you've noticed you've dealt with and so it's more subtle challenges that uh, crop up each time? Well, I definitely am aware of patterns that I have, you know, that I can, that I can uh, uh, set myself up for failure sometimes. Um, and then sometimes I don't realize it until I'm, like I said, I'm, you know, about a little farther down the road and then I'll wake up to it and I'll say, oh, how did I get over here? Mm hmm Okay, let's go with the third question then. What price are you willing to pay? Which may also get into some of the prices you have paid. What What am I willing to pay for what end? In, in order to achieve what you want. Oh, okay, in order to achieve what I want. What mm -hmm. price am I willing to pay? I've paid a lot of prices. Um, in order to achieve what I want, what price am I willing to pay? Um, and I said that I wanted to, that, that, that I really like, that, that I see myself wanting to love the way that Jesus loved. So what price am I willing to pay? Um, It's it's the price of it's not necessarily a price, but there's a discipline of of obedience. It's getting mm. up every day and brushing my teeth. I mean, sometimes it's in the little things, you know, like uh, it's like if I making something new a habit. So maybe I get up at six instead of at seven, and then get on the treadmill. Um. Lately, it's been, what is the price? It's it's not really a price, but it's just change of habit, change of lifestyle. Um, most disciplined thing I've taken on lately has been changing my diet I've, and just going without the things that I love that are comforting. Mm. Wow. Is this more like and, a fast or a, or a diet? or No, it's it, a complete uh, lifestyle change. Huh. I, I, I'm not eating meat or dairy or cheese. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'm effectively eating, a vegan diet? Yeah, because for health benefits and for certain health problems that I have and other things that have run in my family. But believe mm. me, I, I am a junk food junkie, and I have loved junk food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the, when I came back from the doctor. The other day, I was at the dentist, I guess, last week when, when, when we were on session. But just prior to that, I got, I came back with my blood work report that said that the doctor said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because mm. everything is really, really, all your numbers are really good. So a few years uh, ago, I was so sick. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just when Dad died. Um, my health had declined to the point where I'd already had some major cancer surgeries. 
that year, my immune system was completely shot, and I um, my blood pressure was so high. I was um, like a 50% risk. They told me when I finally got in there for a heart attack. Uh, wow. Cholesterol was really high, and also I had a really high A1C count, so I had type 2 diabetes, and and I think it was like in the teens. It was some you know really awful number. I I was dying because it was so stressful uh, dealing with dad. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. He he had used me up. My mom had already died a few years ago because he completely burned her out. Um, and so he was working on woman number two, and and wow. uh, pretty successfully. And so, did you kind of realize what was happening to you and why? Oh yes, but being sleep deprived and still having to work because Dad had run out of money, basically, and and I had to balance caring for him, but also holding down a full time job so that I could pay for his caregivers, some people to come in, or else he probably really would have killed me. If I'd lost my job and been around him 24/7, I don't know if I'd have made it all the way through. Um, so I had—I just chose to work, and pay for caregivers, but I'd be up at five in the morning, um, getting things ready for him, you know, throughout the day, and he had to be on some special equipment for about two years, in the morning wow. and then and also in the at night. So I wouldn't be able to get to bed until sometimes around 1 o'clock at night. Wow. And then I had to be up by 5 the next morning, and I was teaching elementary school full-time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So the amount of emotional energy required Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's something that nobody was ever meant to handle, really, that kind of yeah. stress. and. Dad knew that to a certain degree, but he also didn't really have an awareness of how difficult he was to deal with emotionally. Um, and so sometimes I could get through to him and tell him, like if I'm driving you to the doctor, you're not allowed to scream in the middle of an intersection. You know, he would do that to me. Not because he was afraid of oncoming traffic, but because if he wasn't actually driving the car, he would be driving the car in his mind. And if I went straight mm. instead of veering right, uh, the way that he was thinking he would be doing it, that would cause him to have an autistic meltdown and he would scream his head off in the middle of the intersection. problem was I could never read oh. his mind, you know. So I never knew when a scream was coming. Um that kind of thing. He used to scream about every, oh, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes usually, sometimes even here at the house. Um, so I kind of would tune it out, but at the same time it can be kind of, it can be stressing on anybody's, on anybody's immune system to be around a perpetual screamer like that. Um, yeah, so anyway, had two forms of cancer, type 2 diabetes, and heart condition. So um, since since uh, 
just this last February, I tried a plant-based diet, and I've been on it since then. And the doctors are so excited because they're they're taking me off all my medication. Wow. Praise God. Anyway, those are the disciplines, some kinds of disciplines, too, because believe me, I really want that hostess cupcake sometimes. Even the worst, <laughs> idiot, <laughs> grossest junk food you can imagine. It can actually mm. seem a little bit appealing. You're also, off of, you're also off of sugars, too? Oh, yeah. Sugar is the okay. first to go. Yeah, sugar is the first to go, then dairy. And so basically... Sometimes they call that the Daniel diet. Well, it is. It actually is the Daniel diet. Okay, yeah. So it's like vegan and no sugar and no alcohol. Yeah, except I don't mind having a a beer every so often or a glass of wine or something. But I just don't have it anyway as a part of my regular routine. But, yeah, it's, it's the Daniel diet, except... I mean, there's no exceptions. Mostly it's, you know, it's the salt and preservatives and sugar that kills mm. us all, all of those three things. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Interesting. So I'm, so I'm glad you have this chance to sort of get your life back. Yeah, I do. After it yeah. in service to yeah. your father. Yeah, and that's still, I think, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I still think that was one of the most um uh, Christ-like things I've ever seen or heard someone doing, and just to see the payoff of your father acknowledging God before the end, uh, or at the end, really, that was really quite something. Yeah, he's... giving me a great deal of hope. My goodness, yes. To always have to always have hope. You know, that hope and that, expe- that expectation. All I could do, Ernie, is just every day thinking... You know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with him today? Whatever my mind is saying that is. Some you mean your days, dad? Yeah, with dad. Some days I would come home and I would like almost just be giddy about it and write myself little notes saying, "No, don't don't murder him today." You know, don't put that pillow <laughs> over his face. <laughs> you know, choose something else, Janet. You know, I I feel kind of cocky about it. You know, and I'd be seeing him in the back in there in the bedroom, and he'd let out a blood curdling scream about something. You know, um, and then I'd be like, No, not today. Um, and all of that, just giving. So giving giving that over to to the Lord, uh, if I'd have thought it was going to last me as long as it did, I don't think I could imagine being able to do it. Yeah. Day after day, and a lot of grace, and I had yeah. a lot of support from friends when when it all came down to it, and I didn't die, and the doctors came along and or have been healing me. So. Yeah. You know, it's one of the funny things that I've noticed is that most of the people that I've met, if not all of them, who have a great gentleness to them have been through extraordinary suffering. Well, I think that there's some some real truth to that. And, I mean, I like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and C.S. Lewis has said the same thing. There's there's a lot of grace to, to that. I've seen that kind of 
grace in in people's lives. There's a way of knowing him that you can that you can know him a certain when certain all the things you would normally depend on get stripped away. Um, and I have nowhere else to look except to in his arms, in his, to his eyes, or just loving him. Yeah, there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I find, um, I guess, a question that haunts me is uh, we say we want to know God and to be like him and love like him. And yet the path of that from all the evidence I have seen is through suffering. And like, you don't just want to suffer for suffering's sake. And you don't want to be like the monks who just beat themselves so they could feel pain. But it's an interesting question of, well, how do we, create context where people get whatever it is that they need to become more like Jesus. And um, I thought about that uh, a lot as I've gone through some of my own minor trials, light and momentary trials of various kinds. And I think maybe part of it, I think there's two halves of it I've come up with. One is that, um, you want people to face the suffering they already have, right? There's a lot of pain all around us in our lives and lives of people around us. And our culture, both in and outside the church, frankly, is really one of medication of various kinds, uh, whether it's Netflix or alcohol or drugs or even church worship music, Right, it's a way sure. to avoid having to face and deal with the pain, and so part of it is just having the guts to just face things. And I think that's the part that, for me, I think that that really hit me uh, yesterday. I think Eric talked about, you know, that Jesus asks uncomfortable questions and makes you face the deep things uh, in just an extraordinarily gentle and redemptive way, but also relentless. Yeah, and I think the other half. The other half of it, though, is um, when people, um, uh, what was the Andy Stanley question? What is the thing that breaks your heart? When people are seized with a great passion and therefore they go overseas or they move into the inner city or they try and do a startup or plan a church or whatever, is, is that there, or, or even on a secular level, when you, they try to, people run a marathon or... Uh, things like that is that people is that when you do something that you know is beyond you, but you just can't bear the thought of not doing it, people are willing to undergo extraordinary pain. Uh, and they, you know, they, they always experience extraordinary growth, whether or not they experience extraordinary success. Oh yeah. So, so you're saying that there's the pain is part of the equation sometimes that you notice when people have a passion and they are willing to uh, climb forward against all odds, that sort of thing? Yeah, is that, that's, the one, that's the case where people willingly endure suffering. Like I often say, my spiritual life really began in 2012 when I felt uh, God told me it was time to run a half marathon, something I'd always had on my bucket list. 
Um, and so I went through this year long process of losing weight and hiring a trainer and getting into shape. And, you know, it was, you could probably say it was fun, but it would be really stretching to call it pleasant because there was a fairly large amount of suffering that went on in that. And it was very much deliberately voluntarily chosen. Well, there's and, a difference between suffering sometimes and discipline. And uh, like in Hebrews, when it says all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, but yet when the, for those who have been trained by it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I, I make a differentiation. That's, uh, it can, there can be some pain associated with it, but that isn't always suffering. Um, so in, in my case, I, have circum, I had circumstances that, that I didn't choose, and I think that that's a part of our human condition. Um, and we're in this world, and uh, there are circumstances that, that happen to us that are not of our own choosing. But they do come about. Now, that that can be suffering. And part of the suffering part about it is that I have to come to grips with, you know, I didn't choose this. I didn't have a choice about this. So I can be a little resentful about that. Or maybe not. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of the two categories I was suffering I was saying, is that there is the sort of involuntary suffering that just happens because of life. Yeah. And then there's the voluntary suffering because we are following a passion of some kind that sets us up for certain difficulties and challenges. Yeah, and then there's another kind of suffering that's at a deeper level where where we're encountering evil of some kind and we're put down or we're oppressed by by a tyrant or tyranny. Hmm. Deliberate evil rather than just sort of circumstantial evil. Yeah, you know there can be levels of evil that that, that are that come against us, and and yeah. uh, that that's a very very poignant level of suffering. Yeah, in good heavens, God knows we have enough of that in this world. What's yeah, interesting to me, yeah. you know, like I think those are three really good categories, and they're really helpful for framing it. What's interesting to me and I don't know if, if this resonates with your experience or not, is as I go farther with Jesus, the categories start to blur. Because in some sense, you know, my whole life is signed up to follow Jesus. And at some level, all of the suffering I face is because I am not in heaven where Jesus's will is perfectly done all the time. And Satan is resisting that being like this on earth. And it's not entirely true. Uh, but it's interesting that as, as I grow more into it, the, the, the more it blurs a bit. The things that I used to see as, well, this is just circumstantial. I say, oh, this is actually Satan trying to thwart me. Or that this is the thing I signed up for is this thing which seems random and unfair is part of the discipline that God is giving me to help me become less like myself and more like him. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Do you think that's also developmental too? I mean, when we're younger, we tend to be a lot more sure. Sometimes the pattern is we see things more black and white. 
cut and dry, yes and no. As we grow more in wisdom, though, we uh, and 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 absorb more of life experiences. I think that's a natural outcome to have things increase in letting you know how much you don't know, actually. Right, but I mean, there's both the the humility comes with it, but there's also an aspect of faith. Is that God is in this, right? And I think the, um, so there's a part of it which is natural and part of it is supernatural. And again, those lines kind of blur for me after a bit too. Uh, One of the ways I describe it though, I'd be curious if your take on this, is that I see spiritual maturity as actually equivalent to emotional maturity. Not identical, but equivalent. Yeah, I, I I would see see that. I can agree with that. Yeah, well, so, certainly and, emotional uh, maturity. Um, if one is not emotionally mature, there's a lot of spiritual maturity that needs to happen. You know, needs to take place. Yeah. Yeah, I think they both go hand in hand. Yeah. And I think that's one of the uh, one of the reasons why I ask uh, the questions I ask because they kind of get to a lot of this uh, the passion and the pain and clues. One thing that struck me in your answers, kind of wrapping up here, uh, my dog is getting a very good workout today, um, <laughs> is that um, you use the word productivity early on. Yeah, well, and that's for me, that's a fascinating kind of a big word one. For me. Mm-hmm. In what ways is that a big one? Well, because lately I'm not working. I'm I'm, I'm unemployed. Um, I'm not retired yet, so I need to have an income, um, and that's being provided actually in certain ways. But but I I have a lot of time that that is open ended. It's not scheduled for me because of prior commitments. So I I make I make my own decisions about how I'm going to use the next three or four hours, and I have to be my own um, coach as to how productive I am. And so I struggle with that, like uh, you know the the coach side of me, the little voice. That I'm not sure this is the Holy Spirit. It might be just a self-critical voice, you know, but it's like, hmm, well, you know, you could have used this hour a little bit better, be more productive. And uh, some of that comes from my upbringing and some of the things that I think are more important to do a reset on. So it's my chance of resetting the... the, the uh, the voice that's going to be hypercritical about whether or not I'm productive enough. Yeah, that's um, a that's, that's a great quest. Figure out how is. to reset a, that voice. It's a quest, you know. Sometimes I feel, um, if I'm around professionals and I'm not working, I can feel rather small and intimidated. So I have to mm. remind myself that that. I have to redefine what productivity means for me in my own self-swat, strengths, weaknesses, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, um, 
Yeah, the thing that really thinks me about it in that context is our relationship to the law and kind of the voice of law. You need to do this. You have to do that. And like the law is necessary as a tutor to get us going, but the goal is to eventually transcend that and, you know, not be so arrogant that we think we don't need the law, but uh, be hopeful that we can outgrow it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, the, uh, yeah, you know, it can be a free to be a teacher to me, and then I still come back to, and and say, kind of at the end of the day, well, you've had to be, you've given me a lot of grace today, haven't you, Lord? I guess I'm going to have to be mm. content with that. I used to get real depressed and down on myself, beat myself up, um, but that's that's the that's the death that He wants to raise us out of took a long time to realize that's what was going on for me. Um, it's funny, yeah, I was reading an article, I can't remember where it was, that someone was talking about this, that he says, you know, the important thing is to have someone recognize, I think it actually made Paul Graham in the quote I shared on the chat this morning, mm-hmm. that, that what people need in order to do great work is to do crappy work first, early work, to, to, to find their footing. And what you need is someone who can see what you're trying to do, not let you be content with crappy work, but not let you be too hard on yourself for the fact mm-hmm. that it's crappy so that they draw, out, they draw out the great work down the road. And he says, you know, I think that's what teaching is supposed to be. That's what teaching is supposed to be. Exactly. And yet well, it's so really teacher can inspire that way. Oh, of course. You've got a bunch of people who have never been trained. <laughs> teachers is, is you've got a lot of people with really really good hearts that can do this really well but uh, for the most part all of the teachers yeah I don't know if uh, it's just good hearts I mean there's people who want that but I think this is actually you know one of the things that we're still working on a great reset is trying to figure out how to model this kind of behavior so people see how this is supposed to work uh, because it, you know, well, we yeah. all know how to go to a curriculum and, and, and comply, but it's really hard to see examples of people working it out. Anyway, great talk. I yeah, and it, no, no, it's, 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 a, it's a very advanced kind of skill. And when you apply it to education, I can say my education is based on young young people at first who went and got their college degree a teaching certificate, got a job, and then began to learn about life. And uh, and and then right. and I got to run, Janet. And all of that. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Thanks for your time. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, you have a good evening, you. Ernie, and thank you for the call and for a few You're moments welcome. of chat. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.